Hello and welcome to the Growing Mums podcast with me, Kira Hawkins. I'm a primary school teacher and ordinary mum of two, trying to muddle through motherhood and learn from my mistakes along the way. Here we will be talking all things modern parenting, from baby and toddler sleep to self-development and growth. We will be having those raw conversations that we often don't get a chance to have in the playground and we will be searching for those moments where we find connection through shared experiences. So get ready for some expert advice as well as insightful motherhood confessions. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to another podcast. I listened back to the last one, the Ask Me Anything, and oh my gosh, I didn't edit out my like the phlegm in my throat and I'm so sorry I just sound like I need to cough the whole time so apologies for that I'm going to try and edit that out going forwards what a day I have had seriously Betsy starting school oh my goodness it has been a roller coaster of a day I haven't cried but I feel it is imminent just like the mixed emotions of it oh my goodness like the whole build-up you know the last few weeks have been a massive build-up and she's been so excited but also really nervous and then oh my gosh like actually going today and then they're only there for like two hours and you pick them up um and then so she was so brave like she went in no problems at all um loved it I think and came out and was absolutely exhausted and then was about there then was pretty evil for about an hour and then we were driving around and she fell asleep. So she was obviously exhausted um, and then woke up and has been absolute angel. So, you know, really sweet. It's like she absolutely loved it and is really excited about it again tomorrow. So we will see, like watch this space because I she never massively settled into playgroup. Every single day was a battle and it just, I felt awful about it. So we will see how this goes. But yeah, well done to all those parents who have got children starting school today. My gosh, it is a roller coaster and I bet some people have been in tears and some people have just been breathing a sigh of absolute relief, which is mainly what I've been doing. There are a few pangs of, oh, my baby, but mostly I'm like, thank goodness. What a milestone. Someone else to share the load. So, yes. Now, let me introduce to you our guest for today. Her name is Rosie Leach, otherwise known as the Growth Guru. And in her bio that she's written, she sums it up really well. So I'm just going to read out her words because I think she says it all. Rosie Leach, also known as the Growth Guru, is a highly regarded and sought-after life coach specialising in self-worth. With a practical approach to self-development and personal growth, Rosie has helped countless individuals unlock their true potential and live a more fulfilling life. Through her own life struggles and experiences, her degree in psychology and various coaching certifications, Rosie has created a framework for personal success and now works internationally, helping clients from diverse backgrounds overcome their challenges and transform their lives, earning her a solid reputation as the go-to expert in self-worth. In addition to her coaching services, Rosie is also a talented podcaster, soon-to-be author, distinguished speaker and online course and content creator. While doing all of this, Rosie's top priority is her two young children and the balance of creating a flexible life that is child-focused while being the badass businesswoman she aims to be. Here she is, Rosie Leach. Hi Rosie, how are you today? 
I'm good, thank you. Rushing around like a headless chicken, but good. How are you? Uh, yeah, absolutely same. I feel today is probably I've probably been the least prepared for a podcast, which is why I'm a bit stressed. So I'm going to take a deep breath and go, I am calm. I am enough. You know, all of the mantras. Love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you're like feeling a bit stressed? Oh, stop. Ask myself why I'm actually stressing and if it's going to matter in, in five minutes, five hours, five weeks time. And most of the time it isn't. Um, I think stopping is probably the best thing to do because it's so easy to just, I don't know, if, if, like if you're like me, I snowball once one thing's gone wrong it's very easy for it to just snowball into this massive emotion and feeling so for me stopping is the best thing I can do for stress and actually like assessing what am I even stressing about does it actually matter because most of the time it doesn't yeah and what sort of stuff is it that you're stressing about usually tell us talk us through a normal day in the life of Rosie oh I don't know there's such a thing as a normal day in the life of Rosie (laughs) Um, my life is so I'm very big on routines and structures and keeping as many constants as I can. Um, but I also think routines should be exciting and interesting and feeding to that dopamine hit that we need. So the, I have a very unique recipe that I use for routines with my clients because of that, but also because I think life isn't straightforward. So when you say, what is a normal day for me? None of my days look the same. I wouldn't say, you know, um, I run my own business. I freelance doing some work. I am a, a mum of two. I co-parent both of those children. Um, so it varies completely. Um, and it would it varies massively depending whether the children are here, whether the children are not here, whether it's a working day for me, whether it's not. Um, but I'd say one of the biggest stresses that I have is time. I always feel like I can be the most organized and um, really on top of my game. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> I apologize now. I'm a bit of a potty mouth. Um, get my shit together, like getting on top of my shit. I feel like I'm actually very good at that, but I always have so much to do that there's never enough time. And I, I was actually talking to um, uh, my coach yesterday and I was talking about the fact that I over egg all the time what I think I can achieve and I will write down right do this many things and it never happens so we've actually limited it to five things I'm allowed to do a day and I can start doing my other things after those five so if I've got to go grocery shopping that counts as one of those things like it that might not sound exciting or interesting but if that's something I have to do today then that has to come before number six on the list and actually to it sounds silly but by prioritizing less I've ended up getting a lot more done I focus on my five I don't have that stress of I'm not going to fit all these things in today I'm not going to have time to do it and I actually end up then with time left over maybe once the children are in bed you know to actually get another couple of hours working and I've already done the five tasks that I needed to do and I find I'm more productive because I've not tried to be so productive if that makes sense Absolutely. That sounds like an incredible way to live. I've got, you've got, you've got five things. You're going to do them really well to the max. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then tomorrow you've got five more things that you can do and you just get through life like that. That sounds incredible. Can I just ask though, on what stage, like how big is a thing? So grocery shopping, I'm sure with work, that's easy with your kids is dropping them at school is getting them ready and dropping them one thing. Or is that like lots of little things? That's a basic. I think um, so. I can, will compare this to seeing as we're talking about motherhood. Have you ever heard of the organized mum method? 
Yeah, I feel like I might have heard that name, but tell me more. Well, I, used, I used to do it. Teen Tom, I think is what they recognise, uh, is what she sort of goes by on um, social media and things. It's where you have, uh, you clean a different room every day and you have like a schedule. So you might only do 30 minutes of cleaning a day. So Mondays might be sitting rooms, Tuesday might be the kitchen, Wednesday might be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you have it on this kind of schedule so that you only ever have to do half an hour cleaning a day, but you're always kind of on top of it. But then she has things called level one jobs, which might be wiping down the kitchen sides once you've made breakfast, because that's something you have to do every single day and you're not counting that in your time. So things like school run, cooking dinner, preparing lunches for me, that's my level one jobs. I have to do that every day. Um, So that doesn't kind of count. I don't schedule that into my five things. The five things will be more like things that are the grocery shopping my social media preparing and posting that online or whatever the actual substantial tasks that are the non-negotiables for me but I still have these kind of level one tasks that are always going to be there that is part of my like everyday general life if that makes sense because you're a mom and you've got two kids so I guess like your five things really you're starting those starting those once your children are at school or childcare. a lot of the time are you yes yeah or when they're at home yeah or when they're at home. Yeah. Oh wow. So how do you <laughs> juggle um so do you how do you juggle work if your kids are around? Work generally, um I either get up very early or um work once they're asleep. That's generally what mm-hmm. I do. Um and because of co-parenting on the occasions that I don't have my children, I tend to do a lot of things scheduled into one day so Mm -hmm. my work week might consist of two like two really big heavy days where I might do a lot of work you know my podcast for example will always set aside tasks at a time to record perhaps four or five at one time and schedule them for the whole month um because one of the things I learned actually from a friend of mine um, she goes by the girl who simplified and uh, her name is Tanya she's all about decluttering your life so you can kind of emotionally heal from things and the importance of our emotions and our, how we live our lives our homes things like that which obviously for people with children is you know, my home I'm currently surrounded by dinosaurs and Peppa Pig and just <laughs> a big kitchen over there and like a farmhouse over, like that you know it's it's very uh, busy but I don't call that clutter because that's, you know, obviously the kids' toys. and But there is so much of my, my life that I have filtered out and the clutter that I have got rid of and not having things for the sake of it. Um, but one of the things that she taught me um, is to, to group tasks, not by um, sort of what they have in, say, say social media, for example. Brainstorming ideas for social media, creating social media and posting social media are all related to maybe one social media post and one topic, but they're all very different tasks. So one is creativity and it's thinking. One is still maybe perhaps creativity, but in a different way because you're creating the actual post. Maybe it's recording content or creating on Canva or whatever. One is admin because scheduling posts is admin. So actually she's always taught me to group things by the categories of the task you're doing. Because sometimes if you're in the mood to write, you know, I might think, right, I'm going to put all my newsletters together. I'm going to schedule all my posts together and I'm going to, I don't know, schedule emails to clients together because they're all writing tasks. So I'm going to group that together. So I tend to do a lot of grouping and trying to do things 
to work smarter not harder I guess essentially yeah 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 grouping things together that make sense to go together not necessarily on one topic or like I said explained in that social media post there's three very different things that I'm doing there from thinking of the post to creating the post to scheduling it so I might have an admin heavy morning one day and then you know when the kids are in bed it's amazing how much I can get done actually I think as well when I have less time to do it I'm a big fan of like setting a timer for things and saying right I've got 10 minutes to blitz the bathroom and tidy up it's amazing how much how often I get that done in 10 minutes compared to if I gave myself an hour I'd I'd take an hour to do it I think whatever time you give yourself is generally how long you take and it's not about rushing but for me it's about being everything comes back to intention I'm very very intentional with my time so one of the phrases I use a lot that I learned from a business coach of mine before is everything I do I do amazingly and I mean that sounds like a really arrogant I'm amazing no not at all what that means it means everything I do I do with intention I do it amazingly so when I work when I have an hour I think right kids are in bed I'm going to bed in about an hour and a half I want to have half an hour before I go to bed to chill out maybe scroll through TikTok um Mm. that might be the best evening routine but you know what that's a a key way that I wind down Um, or do my skincare whatever I've got an hour to work here and I think right in that hour I am not looking at my phone. I am sitting at my desk. I am doing all the things that mean that I'm being really fucking intentional about this. And I'm doing this the best way I can, doing it amazingly. Same difference when I think, right, it's a Netflix night for me. So Friday night, I'm going to sit, put a movie on. I do it amazingly. So that means, again, no phone. It means get the blanket, get the hot water bottle, get the snacks, mm-hmm. get the lights down, put my candle on that makes me feel good. Do it intentionally. You know, I had mm-hmm. a, a client recently. She wants to, she likes TikTok, but she spends too much time on it. TikTok might not be the most productive thing in the world, scrolling social media. I actually think social media can be really productive. You know, for me, it's part of my job, content creation, content ideas, keeping up with current trends and things like that. And I find it relaxing. I find it a good laugh is good for the soul. You know, I did a laugh course. It's amazing what it does for your immune system, for your mental health, all of those things. But the intention behind it and how you feel after it is based on that intention. So if she sits and it's not in her routine, it's not in her schedule, and say she ends up spending 40 minutes scrolling through TikTok, afterwards she feels guilt because she didn't intend to do it. Mm-hmm. Very different then. We started scheduling in TikTok time. She might schedule in 40 minutes and comes away from it feeling very differently because she's done it with intention. And I think the intention, the, that needs to be at the forefront of everything, whether it's work, whether it's rest, whether it's play, whether it's parenting, whatever it is, your intention, your mindset going into that ha- has a big part to play. Um, that's a little bit of a, I've gone a little bit off piece I there. loved that. I absolutely love that. And you know, that is gold, content gold for me, because I think that that for me has made me even more than I already did want to book a session or a course with you, because I think um, that just shows how you're really listening to your client exactly what they need not judging you're not judging her for going on TikTok and enjoying that um and you're building that into her life but in a way that she can then not feel guilt or shame I I think that's absolutely incredible and thank you so much for going into that and that's given us a little insight into what you do and who you are but I feel like 
I very bad podcasting of me and this is how this it really shows like because I am still really new to this this is my only my my fourth interview we need to like talk about really who you are and what it is that you do so hi Rosie (laughs) it's so lovely to see you (laughs) um and please could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do of course so um my name is Rosie. I am a life coach. I specialize in self-worth, self-sabotage, and basically helping people get their shit together. Um, So I describe myself as into self-development, but with a no bullshit approach. I love self-worth. I love self-love. I love confidence. I love every self-development mindset, all of it. But I think sometimes it's just a little bit soft and it's a little bit, you've got to do it perfectly and you've got to live that you know, hot girl summer and and all this kind of stuff. That's not me. And that's not any of my clients. So I work with people to have a realistic approach to life, um, to how you make your life better, how you feel better about yourself, how you get out of your own way, all of those things. But in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming, that is realistic to modern life, you know, which I know is something that you talk about with obviously the whole title of this podcast is mm-hmm. the modern month. Life yeah. isn't perfect. Things don't go how I want them to go all the time. I have had a lot of things happen to me. As a little brief history um, and bio about me is I grew up in a lovely little place in the Cotswolds to two parents who are still together now. Um, I'm an only child, so read spoilt. Um, I had a great schooling, had a great life. I was still massively um, full of anxiety, full of fear, full of really bad um, body image. I had eating disorders when I was younger. I had a real issue with my face. I spent about 15 years hating my face and considering getting my jaw broken to straighten my face um, because I was told it was not straight by an orthodontist and I was bullied about it. Um, And I tried to create what I call tick box life. So I was like, right, go to uni, tick, get a good job, tick, get married, tick, get an annoying little sausage dog, tick have a baby tick um, actually I was ticking all these boxes off but I was miserable so on the outside it looked great um you know I was engaged at 19 married at 21 um got a psychology degree from Cardiff University um wow. ended up working at a solicitor's firm um and my journey to pregnancy was actually very difficult I had a miscarriage I, it took me a long time to get pregnant then I had a miscarriage when I did initially get pregnant wow. um which threw my anxiety into an absolute spin I had an anxious breakdown at the age of 24 when I was pregnant with my son um because I was terrified that I was going to lose him the same way that I'd lost uh the first baby when he was wow. born it was then worrying that I was going to die and and he wasn't going to have me so I used to do things like buy his clothes a year in advance in case I died and and silly things like that um my marriage was kind of not great uh we were friends and that was it really so on the surface it looked great to everybody else I had ticked every box I'd done exactly what you're supposed to do to make you happy yet I wasn't happy I was an anxious mess um Mm. and none of none of it was really working for me so I ended up ticking a box I never wanted to tick which was divorce um and my whole life kind of fell apart I had a very difficult time after my marriage ended um I 
was pregnant very quickly with my daughter. Um, and I just went on this kind of, I, I felt like my life had crumbled around me really. But in the same breath, I'd realized that the one I'd created or thought I wanted probably wasn't what I wanted either. Being a mom was the only thing that ever felt right to me. Everything else kind of felt like I was ticking the box and what for, like it still didn't make me happy. Um, so in kind of the mess of everything is when I first got into self-development and started learning about myself and realized that actually realistically how I felt about myself and the beliefs I had about myself and about the world and my perspectives on life and my generally very negative mindset. I, you know, I've had anxiety since probably the age of four. I remember feeling that feeling that young. So I'm naturally predisposed, like many of us are, to think negatively and to think the worst. I was a big catastrophizer. Everything was always, if something bad was going to happen, it was going to happen to me. I always felt that. Um, so I changed that. And I thought, Do you know what? I've tried so many things for my anxiety. I tried medication. I tried therapy, um, various different things. Nothing worked. I realized that how I felt about myself was really impacting my life. And maybe that's why I was where I was. Um, so I started to build my self-worth. I started to create a life that I wanted, not what I thought other people wanted me to do and move away from this one designed route to happiness, which is do this, do this, do this and created my own. So now I sit here and I have, you know, my children are epic. They, I know mean, I'm biased, but uh, they're oh, great. Cool. I bet they're amazing. They're- I'm so grateful for them. I, you know, was somebody that could never, I I didn't ever think I'd be able to live alone. I have my own house. I live by myself. I have a partner who is absolutely wonderful and, uh, you know, is super motivating. It's a super healthy love, which I don't think I've ever had before either. Um, I have a business that I run full time by myself, like, I completely changed my life. And one of the biggest parts was of that was stepping away from what we're told we're supposed to do and what's supposed to make us happy and really getting on top of who I am, how I feel about myself and what I want and actually just going after it and removing that kind of fear. And um, one of the biggest things on top of all of it is I very, very rarely experience anxiety anymore. Really? Yeah, which for somebody that had... A breakdown at 24 you know and I'm 20 I'm 29 I'm nearly 30 I've got the big 3-0 this summer yeah um, and if you told me when I was if you told me five years ago that I would be where I am now loving relationships successful business great kids anxiety free I would not have believed you I mean it is, I, I didn't want to stop you at all there because that your story, and I f- felt this the first time I met you as well, your story is such an incredible story. And it sounds like basically self-love has kind of saved your life in a way because it you've literally gone from living with horrendous anxiety to now, well you just seem so happy so calm so confident so okay with yourself and your life choices um which is basically the dream and yet all this tick box stuff that we all should be doing you know I it's society isn't it but I think we need people like you shouting from the rooftops going you don't have to adhere to those standards like it will not those it's not the standards it's the the actual things that we're supposed to be doing um 
I, I honestly think you're just like the most incredible role model for people. And I also think having children in your twenties, um, cause I've, I'm the same, like I had my first child at 25. Um, I think it, if you're anxious already, which I am the same as well, I, I've always been a very anxious person. Um, it can really rock you because like, basically when you have a child, as everybody knows, you are shaken to the core. Every part of your life is goes, is becomes changed. Um, and that is, if you don't really know who you are to start with, that can be re- like take the floor out from under you basically. Well, that that's my experience of it anyway. But um, so to hear how you've kind of rebuilt your life and yourself after that, you know, amongst divorce and so much else that you've had going on, like mis- you know, the miscarriage, I guess, have you had to do a lot of work on those, that, those traumas? Um, I think... I think a lot of the time people go, you know, trauma seems like such a big word. Mm. And we do a lot of comparison. I used to feel this a lot um, because I think a lot of the time we normalize things. I very much normalized my anxiety. And it's only now when I look back at a lot of the things, I think that was a really hard time. You know, Mm. it was a hard, I dealt with it every day until I was about 26, 27 um like that's horrible like that's really hard and it's not you know you can compare different things and we will never really know what each other experience but at the end of the day we all have traumatic things and we all have to to heal from those no matter kind of where they might be on this varying scale of you know you could go is divorce worse than this is is anxiety but they're all this and this is the thing is a, a way I would say it's useful to look at it is um when I used to feel anxious when I was about from my teen years until my early twenties, it used to manifest as feeling sick. So when I was anxious, I would feel sick and I would go, I would say to my ex-husband promise, I'm not going to be sick. And he'd go, you know, you're not going to be sick. It's not, you know, it's anxiety. It's not real. I said, I know it's not real, but it feels real. Mm. And I think it's the same with trauma and pain and things we have to heal from. It feels like your worst case scenario of what could ever happen divorce might not be a big deal for some people for me it was a massive deal that for me mm. felt like a huge failure and that you can't ever compare that so whatever you're feeling I think is valid and I think mm. if if it feels traumatic to you or you look back and you think that was really traumatic or it still affects me in some way then it deserves to be recognized and to for you to actually take steps to deal with with that and move on from that and I'd say there are definitely still things from my past that I'm having to deal with the trauma of um various different things that I'm still having to deal with um but I think recognizing it and accepting it and going it's okay for me to be really upset about this or and not comparing it because I think I did that a lot I played down a lot what had happened to me and different things that have happened in my life because I felt like they they weren't big enough to moan about compared to somebody else's. And I'm not saying sit and moan about them. I'm saying actually take steps to heal from them. That's what we need to do. Acknowledge uh, that it's a trauma is like the first step yeah. to healing, isn't it? hundred percent. And being okay with going, you know, like this might seem small to some people. It might seem big to other people, but this is how it feels to me. And if mm. it feels this way, just like the anxiety, it feels real to me. So mm. as much as my brain logically goes, this isn't going to happen your your tummy you're feeling sick or whatever is your mind goes but I feel like it could do it feels real to me and I think that feeling 
and learning how to listen to your feelings and emotions. For, for me, it's to be able to recognize that that's not a real feeling, but I have to know how that feels to recognize that that's not real for me. But mm. I think just, again, it comes back to understanding yourself, doesn't it? Understand what trauma looks like for you. What do you actually need to heal from and how do you actually do that? But don't for a second compare yours to one another, like to somebody else's or think that yours isn't valid. I think that's a really good place to start because it's just easy to play down what's happened. Yeah, I think so. And also sometimes you're kind of in denial about it. Like you think, because you're living it, you kind of just, like you say, normalize it. But I read somewhere that like the definition of trauma, or this was one definition, is like going through something alone and not feeling kind of seen or heard. I think it was in relation to how we like are with our kids, to be honest. And we all now, you know, we all know gentle, respectful parenting. We've all read it. And it's all about, like being there with your child you know you really wanted the red cup I I understand it's like seeing them hearing them making their feelings valid but yet we still don't really do that for ourselves a lot of the time I feel like we're not taught to do that I, I love what you said there because it's true you know when your child doesn't get the red cup we have to understand that that's the most important thing to them in their lives. Yeah. They don't have goals. They don't have jobs. They don't have relationships. Like, so it feels like the world is ending and it's okay yeah. for it to feel that way. And it deserves that acknowledge of going, Oh, I, I understand. Or I'm trying to understand how that feels for you. And I think because we're very quick to kind of disregard stuff like that, we then end up doing that in adult, you know, for ourselves, like you say, in adulthood, we just disregard it and we kind of go, well, as other people that are worse off and there always is there will always be somebody that's worse off for you than you there are always worse things happening but it's okay to acknowledge and accept how you feel and the things that have happened to you that have affected you no matter how big or small they are yeah because for everyone life is messy it's not straight really straightforward and you know whatever the variables are your how you how you were brought up what happened to you as a child you know little things affect us all in different ways don't they um, so yeah no that's really really interesting that you say that actually we're skipping a little bit here but while we're on the concept of trauma how do you personally go about starting to heal some of those things um I think the biggest thing is digging into how you feel about yourself um mm. and changing the beliefs that you have about yourself because um self-worth and self-love are at the core of most of these things and it's at the core of how we interpret a lot of things if you feel down on yourself it then changes how you interpret things that happen to you and we very much make it mean that there's something wrong with us you know we go what does this mean about me but actually a lot of the time it means everything about the other person or the situation or any of those things um so I think the one of the biggest things is working out and dealing with your relationship with yourself first and creating something where you address how you what you believe about yourself you question what you believe about yourself you question the way that you live your life you question what you're doing that is actually in your best interest you question how often or why do I sabotage in this way and you just get to know yourself because how much time how much time do we actually spend doing that and I think especially within motherhood there's still this very big it's selfish to do anything for yourself and I'm sorry but that's bollocks you know when you look (laughs) after yourself it's it's great on a number of levels one self-worth and looking after yourself is the most selfless thing you'll ever do 
how you feel about yourself is how you interact with other people. If you're feeling shit, you're snappier with other people, you're less tolerant, you might be more judgmental, you might be more mean. If you're, if you're insecure, you're automatically a more judgmental person. A, because you're judging yourself, but B, because you're comparing yourself to other people and you judge, we judge others and we, we bring them down to bring ourselves up. Unfortunately, we sort yeah. of do you know you're always going to be better off feeling good about yourself because it impacts how you look after and interact with other people for it secondly everything you do has a knock-on effect so if you want to teach your children how to love themselves you're going to have to show them if you want your children how to set boundaries you're going to have to show them we have to practice what we preach and as mums we find that hard to do and the, I always say is the one thing I want my children to inherit from me. It's not my money. It's my mindset because that's going to last them a lot longer than the money is. They're going to spend that on a, whatever car house, you know, whatever. Don't get me wrong. They can have the money when I'm dead and gone. They can have it. I mean, have it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I want them to have the mindset. If mm. I can teach them how to feel good about themselves, how to validate themselves. So they don't end up in relationships needing somebody else to validate them how to deal with people that are bullies, how to deal with their mindset when it comes to failures and problems and how to have a um, solution-focused approach to life, how to talk about things um, like the law of attraction and what how they think is what they create. If I can give them that, that's a lifetime worth of value they've got even when I'm not here. So I think yes. it's, an, it's what you pass on to your kids. So that's a massive thing. I think if people find it hard to justify self-love use it in the terms of well I want my kids to do it to use them as the motivator somewhere along the way you'll then realize that actually no I do deserve to do this as well but being a mum is one of the most motivating things ever because you'll do anything for your kids and you know and I just think it's it's too important and and the final thing I would say on it is it's not saying me first it's just saying me too yeah like you can look at it that way it's not saying I'm doing this because I'm prioritizing myself above you it's not like that's not how it works no. I'm doing this because I prioritize myself as well as you as well yeah. as my job as well as my job as well as my partner like all of those different things I think we just need to create a little bit more room for ourselves at the table and it's hard as a parent and it's we're still told it's selfish but I guarantee you now learning to like yourself learning how you work and how to manage your emotions learning how to you know if you're a sensitive person learning to build on that so you become a less sensitive person oh actually is it because I'm insecure in this area yeah maybe it is I should work on my beliefs around this I should work on my confidence around here getting to know yourself getting comfortable with yourself and loving yourself or maybe not even loving all parts of you I don't ever say that's the ultimate goal again I think that's a bit of bullshit Are you ever going to love every single part of you? Maybe not. But can you remove the negative problems that disliking those parts cause you? Yes, you can. That's important. Mm. And I think it's just coming into the realization that it's not selfish. It's literally selfless. The best thing you'll ever do for yourself and everybody else is build a relationship with yourself. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I could not agree with you more. What you're saying to me is, um so how I think since reading my incredible book that I read about manifesting but um you're so right and it's that age-old saying isn't it about like on the airplane you put your own gas mask on before you put your children's gas mask on and that seemed really selfish 
but it's so not because like you say, it's going to feed into every single aspect of your life. You're going to be way nicer, more patient, more playful with your children. That's what I find when I've had a break or topped myself up in some way, I come back and I'm so excited to play with my kids. Whereas if I hadn't have had that break, I'd be like, oh my gosh, no, please just watch telly or, you know, something like that. So um, you're just absolutely right. And also like it's, it encourages mums to have fun again, because I think, and I think this is almost, we've got one minute left, so I'll have to restart the Zoom in a sec, but we've got, um, you kind of have to completely start over again after you've had each child possibly, you know, each time you have a child, because you're going to be a different person each time you have a child. I have no doubt that you being a self-love coach is directly linked to you having the journey that you've had. And you probably wouldn't have done it, you know, after your first child, the fact that you've now had two, you're like, yes, this is what I need to do. And basically I feel that having one child changed me in one way and then having a second child changed me in another way. And when you've got more than one, um, and I wish I'd have known this when I just had one, but when you've got more than one, you literally have to start looking after yourself and working on self-love because otherwise you will just go down like you will just go down the child care all of it will just drown you consume you life so you have to like come up for air and fight your way through for that self-love because and that time to yourself to find out who you are again um because otherwise you could just get lost in it forever don't you think absolutely and I think also one of the things I think is really interesting is that if any of us were to say like, do you want your child to grow up loving themselves? You'd be like, obviously. Do you want your friends to love themselves? Obviously. Do they deserve to? Obviously. And even logically, I can go, Kira, do you deserve to love yourself? And you'll go, well, yeah, I know that I should love myself and I do. But actually feeling that and mm. actually taking steps to do that is a big, big difference. And I think that's where we need the help. That's what makes it it's hard we we find it easy to love other people we find it easy to prioritize other people and then when you become a mum, I think that's even amplified even more because you're like oh my gosh I have this little person that is my absolute world I would do anything for you and it just kind of is another level of I will do everything for you and even less for myself and feeds into that yeah I know I should love myself I know I should do these things on a logical level that makes sense but I don't believe it and I don't feel it and I'm not worth I don't feel like I want to prioritize that because I have other things to focus on and that's where I think it's important to understand that you need to focus on it for them just as much as you need to focus on it for you it does make you the best version of yourself for them and in the best position to teach them and show them how to do it because there's a big difference between giving them the words and saying you should do this and you should do that but actually understanding that we all have this kind of tendency to find it easy to understand how other people should love themselves and how we can love them but find it hard to do it to ourselves and actually this is one of the things that is probably sorry my shoe just squeaked I'm gonna say that again (laughs) oh it's fine (laughs) um and this is one of the things that I would say is I help Um, a lot with in terms of the coaching that I do in that you go from the logic of understanding you should love yourself to actually feeling it and those two are very different things one is a superficial I can read all the books I can listen to all the podcasts I can understand all the science behind it and know that I should love myself but actually I believe this about myself this happened to me this trauma this experience this bully this whatever this relationship I need to unpack all of that 
and change the beliefs around that to take it to actual feeling, to take it from this superficial understanding to this deep core feeling. And that's what I think is what I'm best at doing in my coaching is helping it feel real. Because just like we were talking about with anxiety, it feels fucking real, easily feels real. The worst case scenario it can feel real, but actually I logically know it's not real. And self-love is kind of the other way around. I logically know that this makes sense, but I don't have that feeling. How do I get that feeling? And that's where I think coaching steps in, in terms of creating that long-term feeling, changing those beliefs, understanding what's happened, processing what's happened, but also with a very forward thinking, no bullshit, practical approach, because life is busy. Life is difficult. It's no good saying you've got to meditate for an hour every day and then you've got to do this three hour routine. It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that, especially when you have kids. So I think it's, it's possible for it to happen. And it's even more important when you're a parent for it to happen so that mm. you can pass it on and, and keep, keep yourself in the best place possible for yourself and for everybody else. But I think there is that logical, I know I should feel this way, but I don't feel it. I think it, but I feel it. And I sort of know, but I don't know how to get there. And that's where you need to make that leap from understanding to feeling. Well, that's exactly how I feel. And that's why I need to come to you because I I want to get to that place. Like here's an example this morning. I went to a toddler group that I haven't been to for a long time. And I thought in my head, I catastrophized it. There's going to be really intimidating people there. And I, I'm this and I'm, you know, really being really negative about myself. And I just like took a deep breath and like said, like, no, you are enough, you know, all the stuff. But I just want to kind of I feel like I'm constantly fighting that inner critic like the whole time. And I just want some more um, ways to manage it, really. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, I will come to you as soon as I can afford to. And it's not it's just, you know, as soon as I actually start like being able to put stuff into myself again, I really, really will. Um, so I'm really excited to do that. But anyone out there who is listening, you have to go and see Rosie. I absolutely loved your workshop that you did the other day. I've I've got like halfway through. I'm doing it in like snippets here and there when I can. Um, yeah. I loved it. Like you just, you say it in such a clear, no bullshit way, which is what I absolutely love. So yeah, thank you so much. Because And people really need to come to you. It's so great. Thank you. That workshop went down a treat. I've had a lot of feedback about that. And I think actually I was conscious of when I was creating it, that it was kind of sectioned so that you could come back to it. Because like I said, this Mm. this is about practical life. You know, we don't often have, because the workshop I think is about an hour and a quarter. And Mm. how do we get to sit for an hour and a quarter? I'm not saying we can always make more time for ourselves. Mm. And we have but also life is really busy. So it was deliberately kind of intended that you can just listen to a snippet here, then change on to the next bit, then the next bit. And it's in those kind of three or four stages to make it again, as easy and as accessible as possible, because that's what we need to do. Yeah. And I think you're so right. And like you say, you can always make more time and you can always, I'm not saying, you know, you can always find the money, but like I could have, I, you, you can prioritize yourself anyway. You, it's all about, um it's like the pie chart isn't it and like what time am I going to spend on that and what time am I going to spend on this and really how much time on your time pie chart is our mum spending on themselves probably absolutely nothing how much time are they how much money are they spending on themselves probably very little um but actually time 
and you know investing in yourself whether it's on a self-love workshop whether it's on a pair of jeans that make you feel really good whatever it is um I think we all if we can can try and do that within our own means it's going to make a massive difference to our self-worth because by not doing that and never ever putting ourselves first we're kind of gradually chipping away at our own self-worth aren't we that we don't feel that we're worthy of it absolutely and then I think if we were to add up the amount of money we spend on short-term fixes that potentially aren't healthy, it's essentially another form of self-sabotage because we go, well, I can't afford to do this um, and I can't justify that. And then we justify it on something else. And mm. it's that classic, you know, self-sabotage is a massive thing that I've had to deal with myself and that I see in my clients because there is that internal resistance. I said this to um, actually... Once you spoiler alert, when you get to the end of the workshop, you'll see this, but you'll never feel ready. People will be listening to this and they will never feel ready. And that's okay. Mm. You you have to know that you have to make the change and push through that. I'm not quite ready to do it. I'll wait until then. You know, people always go, I'll be happy when. And you always put happiness in front of you. There's always a barrier and you're always going to sabotage. You're always going to try and create that barrier until you actually start to do the work. So be aware. And to everyone listening, I would say that you may never feel like you have the time. You may never feel like you're ready to do it, but you have to make the time and you have to decide, make the decision to feel ready or to be ready, even if you don't feel it, because we are very good at tricking ourselves into I can't because of this or you know I can't yesterday for example and I'm not saying it's like this every day but I couldn't get to the gym you know I'm a single parent so I don't get mm. to go to the gym because I don't have anybody here um I cook I was cooking dinner I <laughs> and I've seen a lovely little tuna pasta and in between I was I did a mini workout so whilst wow. I was I put the pasta on to boil and I was like right I'm gonna do these squats or whatever with this tiny little weight that I have at home that is better than nothing and I think that's as well to self-worth even if there's one little thing you can do now do it stop Mm. saying oh when I can do it properly then I'll do it because we're also a lot of us are perfectionists and we go well when I want to be able to do it so I've got to learn this first I've got to do this first actually you just have to jump straight in and Mm. think I'm not ready for this yet but what can I do in the meantime What's the one small change I can make? Because you might not have an hour to dedicate to yourself today or even once a week. Okay, but can you find five minutes a day? Cool, what can you do in those five minutes? doesn't matter even if it's the most basic level thing that you're doing. What matters is you're making the commitment to yourself and to your life. It doesn't even really matter what you do. It's that every day you're going, I'm actually going to do this for myself, for a better life to create this. I'm going to have that little bit of hope and I'm going to take that little bit of action. And that's where it snowballs. Just like the negativity can snowball with anxiety, the positive effects can snowball with with just the smallest, tiniest first step, but you just have to do it. Even if you don't feel ready, just do something. And you can look forward to it. You know, like your little workout, the fact that you're choosing to do something for yourself, you can be like, that's kind of fun. I feel like when we have kids, everything is so about our kids and they will just take 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 and that's nothing on them that's just what kids do um so to like focus on yourself amongst all the child play and you know all the chores that come with it um that's just something to look forward to like I'm gonna do this for myself I'm gonna give myself this little workout or you know for 10 minutes here that might get you to the end of your day and kind of perk you up that I've got this to look forward to or I'm gonna have a t- have an have a 20 minute bath and you've got that to look forward to um 
I love that you've just got to jump straight in and it's so true I think this sounds like what you're really good at is like carving out these little moments in a day that are that you can do it regularly so that it kind of keeps you topped up with those good hormones throughout the week exactly even if it's a two minute dance while I'm doing the lunchbox yeah they do I know that that feels better that makes me feel good you know if it's two minutes of looking in the mirror and doing mirror work if it's just saying to myself what can I do to keep myself accountable towards my business today even if I can't really work on it today what can I do to keep myself accountable what's one small thing that I can do that moves me just slightly in the right direction I think as a mom and that's something I've got good at doing is like you say finding those snippets and it also works the other way around is to go just because I had a bad 10 minutes doesn't mean I have to have a bad day because that used to be something I would really really do I've oh something's gone wrong well I fucked it now so the whole day whole day gone and actually I as long as that feeling lasts fine but then I realized my beliefs around it my thoughts around it are what drag that feeling and I've realized that on a bad on a you know in quotation marks on a bad day there's there's still a little pocket of okay to be found even if it's not joy maybe it's just okay today like there's still yeah. always you've got to look for it. You'll know from, you know, you said you were reading manifest. manifest, but you'll know that from reading manifest that what you look for is what you find. So yeah. if I decide that after 10 minutes, I'm not saying you, sometimes I have, you know, if something annoying has happened, it's really hard to snap out of it and go, ah, this is, you know, fucked up the whole day or whatever. Yeah. It yeah. hasn't. And I've got to look for that tiny bit of okay, or even that little positive or that, you know neutral feeling even I'm a big fan of neutrality not even being positive all the time I'm a big fan of neutrality whether it's body neutrality or any of those just generally having a realizing I don't always have to slip into the negative and the negative doesn't always have to last you know when you're happy you don't go nothing's going to ruin this day I'm going to be happy the whole day and this feeling's going to last forever but when you're sad you go well I can feel like this forever this is fucked nothing's going to work why ask yourself why you're doing that and statistically is that how life works no it isn't so there is people don't like when I say that happiness is a choice but to a big large extent happiness is a choice Mm. and often that choice is the choice you make about yourself and how you want to view the world and how you want to think about things shitty things are going to happen to you yeah and that's not your choice but when it comes to the choices you can make, make sure you're choosing the right ones. When you mm. do have control, make sure you're doing what actually makes you happy. Make sure you're not people pleasing. Make sure you're setting those boundaries. Make sure you're actually living to your potential and doing what you want and, and you know, working on yourself. There's so much of it that we can't choose, but there is so much that we can. And mm. your mind is the only space that is really yours. So yeah learning to master that is possibly the most powerful thing you will ever do oh absolutely because you know like a CEO of a giant company this is how I always think of it um is like a CEO of a giant company right you think gosh I could never do that they are literally just a human like they literally are just a baby they grew up as a baby they became a child they became an adult they have just mastered their mind and can compartmentalize and just work in this certain way um and if we all learn to do that then we're going to be able to have such a different life to the one that we were possibly having before that maybe wasn't making us happy and I'm not saying everyone needs to be a CEO but 
what I'm saying is it's what you feed your subconscious, isn't it? It's what thoughts you allow to consume you and what thoughts you don't. Absolutely. And like I said, we've all had awful things. It's not a level playing field. We haven't all had the same experiences, opportunities and all of those different things. But I would say that possibly the only level playing field is your mind. Mm. Because, you know, and I'm not saying you know, there's lots of different. And I say this as somebody that's suffered with anxiety and potentially there is a genetic element to anxiety. Potentially there is a you know physiological element to anxiety. So you'd say maybe I haven't got a level playing field to somebody that doesn't deal with that or there's somebody that's worse off than me but like I said there's always going to be someone that's worse off there's always mm. going to be someone that's better and maybe now even though I've said that I'm thinking maybe there's never a fucking level playing field but maybe you have to just make your own fucking rules you know, mm. is that not what this whole thing has been about I did I lived by the right rules I did the perfect tick box life and it still didn't fucking make me happy because actually who's making those rules and am I not best placed to know what works for me because I am me yeah Probably. absolutely so I yeah yeah wow yeah no a hundred percent gosh this is in a very interesting conversation and I feel like I could speak for hours around this subject and I'm sure you could too um but we need to move on because I don't want to keep you over the time but I just wanted to ask you as a final I've got two final questions for you so one is please could you share a mum confession with us this could be something that's happened in the past or a funny story to share with us this is such a hard one um a funny story or just something it doesn't even have to be a funny story it can be like something that you think every day that you wouldn't say to your mum friends out of fear of being judged or something like that oh god um I think a a mum confession might be that when I first when I first got pregnant so here you go god shit's about to get heavy when Mm. I when I first got pregnant and I had a miscarriage, I felt like it was my fault. Um, wow. And I think about that baby all the time. Yeah. And I and I think for a long time, I felt like there was something really wrong with me because of that. So whilst this might not be a mummy confession in the maybe more generic terms of things, I think for anybody that has struggled with something like that, I think it's totally normal for you to blame yourself, but it's totally wrong for you to do it. And I think I genuinely, when I couldn't get pregnant, I remember thinking, what's wrong with me? This is the one thing I'm supposed to be able to do. And when I had a miscarriage, I thought, you can't even carry a baby. Like, this is literally what you're designed. You can't grow a baby. And what what is wrong with you? And I felt so much guilt over something that was totally without, like out of my control. I had no, you know... I'd not had a period for six months when I got pregnant and the baby then didn't grow properly. And there was nothing within that that was in within my control. So why did I take on that guilt? But I think whether you're struggling to conceive, whether you've lost a child, however, you know, with, through miscarriage or, you know, I, I don't know anybody else's experience. I can only talk about miscarriage in my own experience, you know, but I think for a long time, I felt really, really guilty And I just felt like there was something wrong with me. And then that definitely played into the already problems I had with my self-worth. And I just thought, 
God, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And, and that really fed into them when I was pregnant uh, with my son was, and I think that's why my anxiety was so peaked was not necessarily because I knew statistically it wasn't likely to happen again, but I think there was that feeling in me that was like, but there's something wrong with me. And what if I fuck this up? And I think that's why, you know, that's how can you, you know, I, I did everything perfectly during my pregnancy. I took every, I remember I even changed over all my makeup. So it had no chemicals in it that were, that could potentially, I, if there's any research on anything, you could guarantee I had read it. I wasn't eating it. I wasn't using the product, whether it's shampoo or like any of those things. I was, I was so over the top with it. And I think that's because I inherently felt like I was not good enough to, or not able to carry this baby because I some way in some way felt like I'd fucked up before, even though it was never my fault. So do you know what? Yeah. I think that I, I thank you so much for sharing that because that was like a really real and raw and honest thing to say. But I think that is so normal to feel like that. Like just, I think if you spoke to a lot of people who've had a miscarriage, they might say that or something to, you know, similar. So thank you, because I think that's going to make people who have been through something as horrendous as that feel a bit less alone in that. Um, yeah. So thank you so, so much. We're going to stop there. But Rosie, honestly, it's been incredible. And I cannot wait to come on one of your workshops or, or do your courses or have a one-to-one session because I need it. <laughs> well, it will be ready and waiting for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. She's amazing, isn't she? So I'm going to let you into a little secret. I have actually now had a few sessions with Rosie since that interview and she is good. Seriously. She just like sees into your soul and for the modern parent, wow, she really knows what we're, what it's like. She's doing it herself Anybody who struggles with anxiety or, you know, confidence issues, she is your girl. She is sorting me right out. Um, So I would really, really recommend her. And also, uh, she is offering £100 off sessions. Just use the code GROWINGMUMS100 for £100 off sessions and get in touch with Rosie. She's on Instagram as The Growth Guru and she also has her own website. So go and get in touch with her if you need some life coaching, if you need some support and just getting your life sorted out because she is the woman for the job. Right, guys, thank you so much. Have a fantastic week. Lots of love. Bye.